Will you pray with me? Oh God, in the stillness, come meet us. Amen. So it's the season of failed New Year's resolutions, right? There's actually research done around this, and a few studies have determined that January 12th is the date when we depart from our newly made resolutions. So it's only January 5th. One more week, right? One more week. So, you know, it may sound trite, but genuinely, the new year is often a time when many of us resolve to do things differently. But the track record that we have as a society at keeping these New Year's resolutions is not so great. And it begs us to ask that question of ourselves, if we really want to make a change in ourselves or in the world around us, then how do we do things differently? How do we accept the power that we have within ourselves to make a change? And all we have to do is open our eyes and look around us to know that there are some things that are worth working to change. Hunger and poverty, for example, should not exist in a world where there is sufficient food to feed everyone. Mass shootings in schools and other public gathering spaces should not even be a threat that cross our minds. People should not struggle with addictions. People should not be bullied or fired or killed for their gender identity or for who they love. And domestic violence, sex trafficking, and objectification of others should not exist. I mean, this list could go on and on. But these things do exist. They and many other injustices are part of our world, and they're part of our own personal lives, too. And so when we think about these things, perhaps it's time for us to begin to realize that it's time for a New Year's revolution. It's time for us to get in touch with our own journey to follow the light of the star, and then, like the Magi, to find the freedom and power that we do have to make a real and lasting change, both both within ourselves and within the world around us. You know, in our Methodist tradition, we consider baptism to be the doorway or the beginning to a life of faith. And so when we baptize a person, we ask them three important questions. They're up here on the screen. We, We ask them, do you renounce the spiritual forces of wickedness reject the evil powers of this world, and repent of your sin. And then we ask, do you accept the freedom and power God gives you to resist evil, injustice, and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves? And the third question is this, do you confess Jesus Christ as your Savior, put your whole trust in his grace, and promise to serve him as your Lord? In union with the church, which Christ has opened to people of all ages, nations, races, and orientations. You know, I think it's interesting to note that the very first two questions that we ask in that baptismal covenant deal with the inescapable reality of evil and injustice and oppression, that those things are present in our world. 
And these questions also put up front and center the Christian's vow to renounce and to resist the evil forces of the world. And so for this particular series, we're going to be focusing in on this second question. Do you accept the freedom and power that God gives you to resist evil, injustice, and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves? And today we're looking in particular at that very first line, do you accept the freedom and power God gives you? This is the Sunday when we observe Epiphany. It's the Sunday closest to January 6th, which happens to be tomorrow. And that concludes our season of the 12 days of Christmas. And so Epiphany marks our remembrance of the Magi's visit to Jesus, bearing the gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. Now, to be historically accurate, the Magi didn't come the night that Jesus was born. It's just convenient and fun and magical to put it all together, right? But actually, the most likely thing is, and according to Matthew, in fact, as I shared with the children, they came to the house where Jesus and his parents were living in Bethlehem. It was probably around the time that Jesus was two years old. Now, it took time for them to travel. Right? They had to follow the star, and humbly they came, overcoming barriers of culture and religion. And on the journey, they encountered doubt and uncertainty about their destination. They came face to face with the most evil kind of worldly power. And they listened to the whispers of the divine guidance in their dreams. They exercise their own power and freedom in the face of evil. And on the surface, this story brings to our mind cheery images of camels and magi balancing on top, holding these perfect presents for Jesus. But in reality, when we really read the words of this story, the story brings us face to face with evil and injustice and oppression. Because Herod orders the killing of all children under two years of age. There's a painting from a painter, Leon Cognet of Paris, that was painted in 1824 that may help us to feel what is happening in this story. The painting is called The Scene of the Massacre of the Innocents. And it shows in the, in the forefront that, that one woman holding her child with her hand over their mouth so they won't make any noise. And in the background, there's chaos as soldiers chase women who are clutching their children. Herod the Great, who was ruling at this time, was a tyrannical ruler. He had a reputation for wielding the worst kind of worldly power. And his fear of losing power was so great that he viewed anything and everyone as a threat to himself. Herod the Great was even known for ruthlessly killing his own wife and his son, among countless others, when they got in his way. And so when the Magi say that they are searching for a king who was born in this land, it pushes all of Herod's buttons. It confirms all of his worst fears 
And he's thinking in his head, someone is out to get me. Some of the citizens of Jerusalem, on the other hand, must have heard this message with breathless anticipation and hope because many of them resented and resisted Herod's alliance with Roman Caesar and the way that it oppressed them. They, on the other hand, must have been thinking, a king, a new king, praise God, hallelujah, Herod's days are over. Their hearts must have cried out with joy and praise upon this news, and they were hopeful that a newborn king would bring about a different kind of political configuration that was not so oppressive. But Jesus was a different kind of king. Rather than a king that ruled in a particular place and time, bringing peace to a singular land by overthrowing Roman rule, Jesus is a king who brings freedom and power to all people throughout the ages. And Jesus' power is an expression of this authentic power that rises from within oneself rather than a worldly power that is exhibited by Herod who is driven by fear. We ourselves, we grasp for power. It seems to be part of the human condition. And when we end up gaining that worldly power, it leads us down a path of temptation toward that bent, toward evil, injustice, and oppression, which really just ends up enslaving ourselves and others rather than freeing us. And the irony of worldly power is that it puts us in the most powerless position of all. There's a psychoanalyst named Ethel S. Person who's written and studied about power. She has a book called Feeling Strong, How Power Issues Affect Our Ability to Direct Our Own Lives. And in it, she describes authentic power as that which encompasses the ability to face adversity to overcome fear and inhibition, to be sufficiently in touch with our inner lives, to be open to a range of interpersonal relationships, to be assertive without being confrontational, and to create meaning in our lives. That's a tall order for authentic power. I think of Helen Keller as one whose life shows us this inner, authentic power. She was born in 1880, and at 19 months old, she contracted a fever that left her both deaf and blind. We're probably at least somewhat familiar with pieces of her story, especially her dedicated teacher, Anne Sullivan, who determined to help her learn and speak. Now, Helen ended up graduating with a BA from Radcliffe College of Harvard College, and she went on in her life to publish 14 books, numerous articles. She was a well-known advocate for the deaf and blind community, but she was also a social activist for women's suffrage and civil rights and the labor union movement, just to name a few. She's inspired so many over the years, including renowned poet Langston Hughes, and we read from his poem this morning that is about Helen Keller. But I want you to imagine just for a moment how powerful it might be for you to insert your own name 
and your own pronouns into the narrative of this poem? What would it be like for you to hear your own name at the top and to realize that there is power within you? Part of what impresses me about Helen Keller is that she tapped into the freedom and power within herself to overcome the obstacles in her own life and also the obstacles that were in the world around her. And her life is a glimpse of the strength of power within. And yet that power and strength and freedom lives inside each one of us. God has already gifted us with it. God has gifted each of you with it. And so the power within ourselves is part of what it means to be made in the image of God. The power within ourselves is part of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. The Magi had this power too. At first, they may not really realize it. They wander following the star. They end up stumbling into telling Herod the very thing that threatens him the most. They unknowingly participate in evil, injustice, and oppression, and they end up putting others at risk. But then they meet the Christ child, and they dream a dream that can only come from God. They pay attention to the divine stirrings all around themselves. They awaken to the freedom and power that they already have. What about us? What about you? Are you following a glimmer of hope and light like the Magi? Are you thinking about your own journey for the year? What are your own New Year's resolutions that will bring about a revolution in your own life or in the world around you? Will you exercise more? Will you advocate for immigrants? Will you quit smoking? Will you speak more patiently? Will you feed people who are hungry? Will you put up some healthy boundaries in difficult relationships? Will you work to make the church more inclusive of LGBTQ people? Will you open your home to a child? Will you leave an abusive marriage? Will you put your electronics away and be present with the people around you? Will you speak up in the face of racism? When it is time for the Magi to leave, instead of following Herod's instructions and going back to tell him where the newborn king is, they claim their own freedom and power. They make a decision and take action. They go home by a different road. What about you? Will you pay attention to your dreams? Will you see evil, injustice, and oppression for the captivity that they really are? Will you travel by a different road? Will you accept the freedom and the power that God gives to you?